Our first reading today is Deuteronomy chapter 27, and it starts at the very bottom of page 203 of your church Bibles. Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, keep all these commands that I give, give you today. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land the Lord your God is giving you, set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. A land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord the God of your ancestors promised you. And when you have crossed the Jordan, set up these stones on Mount Ebel, as I command you today, and coat them with plaster. Build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool on them. Build the altar of the Lord your God with stones from the field, and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Sacrifice fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. And you shall write very clearly all the words of this law on these stones you have set up. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Be silent, Israel, and listen. You have now become the people of the Lord your God. Obey the Lord your God and follow his commands and decrees that I give you today. On the same day, Moses commanded the people, When you have crossed the Jordan, these tribes shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these tribes shall stand on Mount Ebel to pronounce curses, Reuben, Gad, Esher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall recite to all the people of Israel in a loud voice, Cursed is anyone who makes an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, for work of skilled hands, and sets it up in secret. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who dishonours their father or mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who moves their neighbour's boundary stone. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who withholds justice from the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his father's wife, for he dishonours his father's bed. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who has sexual relations with any animal. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who sleeps with his mother-in-law. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who kills their neighbour secretly. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who accepts a bribe to kill an innocent person. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is anyone who does not uphold the words of this law by carrying them out. Then all the people shall say, Amen.
The next reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 30, and that's on page 208 of the Church Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 30. When all these blessings and curses I have set before you come on you, and you take them to heart wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you have been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will take possession of it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants, so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies who hate and persecute you. You will again obey the Lord and follow all his commands I am giving you today. Then the Lord your God will make you mo most prosperous in all the work of your hands and in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock and the crops of your land. The Lord will again delight in you and make you prosperous just as he delighted in your ancestors if you obey the Lord your God and keep his commands and decrees that are written in this book of the law and turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you may obey it. See I, set it I see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to you give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is God's word. Thank you, George and Medusa, for reading that mammoth reading. It's great to be with you 
today. My name is Jeremy. I'm the senior pastor here, but you already know that because you see my picture up on the screen. A massive welcome. And if it's your first time with us, then a special welcome to you. Please do stay around so we can get to know you a little bit better. We've just sung these words together, words of power, talking about the Bible, words of power, strong to save, that will never pass away. I will stand on every promise of your word. So as we come to God's powerful and strong and saving words, shall we pray? Shall we pray as we begin? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the power and the strength of your words that they save us and that we can hear them and live. And I pray, Father God, as we hold these words open in our hands and as we read them for ourselves this afternoon, that you would speak to us promises on which we can stand for the rest of our lives. And I ask these things in your name. Amen. Now, will you see the picture of someone on the screen? Uh, his name's Jonathan Edwards. He was a Christian leader. And almost exactly 300 years ago, 300 years is a long time, isn't it? Uh, he was 20 years old and he sat down and he wrote some resolutions. And he went back to these resolutions every week of his life. Uh, he he described on paper how he wanted to live his life. You can still read them today. I'll read out a few. Resolved, he wrote, resolved that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory. Resolved to live with all my might while I do live. Resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. Uh, he was a serious guy, old, old Jonathan Edwards. I think he would have been quite intense as a flatmate. But, um, but he, did, he did want to commit the whole of his life to God. He was genuine about that. In a, in a sort of, well, how does Romans 12 put it? We talked about this last week. Um, in a sort of offering your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God sort of way you know, even in the details of, of his life. And that's what the Bible calls your true and proper worship. That's, that's what worship means. It means to commit your life to God, to resolve to follow him in every part of your experience. And, and in fact, the book of Deuteronomy has been showing us, we've been going through Deuteronomy uh, for the last couple of months, and it's been, it's, for me at least, it's been a revolutionary few weeks as we've looked at this book together. It's really challenged me. But it, it's, it's shown us that not only do we need to be people who love God, and, and, and do you remember in Deuteronomy 6, that, that sort of call to, to love God with everything that you are, all of your muchness. You know, we, we can ask each other um, at church, do you love him? Do you really love God? We're not only to love him, but that love means obedience. We saw that in chapters 10 and 11. And, and, and that all of life obedience, chapters 12 to 26, is, is really a kind of worship. It's really a kind of worship. And that's the point that chapters 12 to 26 made, really. Um, you can't miss it. It describes this one temple for the one God. And, and then next section, it talks about um, Israel's care for the poor. So you, you give 10% of, of your income to the, to the temple. That's part of your worship. And, and then you give 10% to people who are destitute. 
You see, worship covers every area of, of your life, in your generosity, um, side by side. And then, and then it talks about marriage, and it talks about family, it talks about leadership, it talks about business, and then it comes right back to a pattern of worship at the end. Um, as if to say, you know, all of life is worship, resolved to worship God with, with all of my life. And, and resolved, you know, to be the people who advertise God's character to a watching world. And resolved, covenant faithfulness. And we need to take that to heart, you know. Uh, we need to take it to heart because, you know, as we said last week, if, if, our, li- if our life were a house, wh- which are the rooms that we keep locked to God? You know, which are the rooms we try and exclude God from? Um, now's the time to open them up. You know, now's the time to submit those parts of our lives to him. That's what worship means. Uh, you can't just be a Sunday-only Christian. Um, that's what Deuteronomy's saying. And then, as Jonathan Edwards would tell us, you know, it's serious. It's serious. But it gets more serious still. Um, as this week and next week, we head into the final few chapters of the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, we, we're concentrating particularly on chapter 30 today, on page 208. It'll be a massive help to me if you could just have that open, page 208, the bit that Medusha has, has just read to us. And we're going to learn three things um, from this section that really goes from chapter 27. And the first thing we're going to learn is this. There are two outcomes. There are just two outcomes. Okay. Um, I remember going to, uh, I mean, one of the joys of being a parent, surely, is going to parents' evenings. And um, uh, I, I'm not sure it's worth having children just for that, but it is, it is immensely enjoyable. And I remember going to a parents' evening at primary school when our son Justin was in year one. So he was, what, six years old. And um, he was quite energetic. And the, and the teacher said to us, um, oh, we've been, learning, we've been learning about choices so, um, so Dawn and I said, oh, that, that sounds good. Um, you know, what, what kind of, what's been your lesson plan? How have, you, uh, you know, how have you taken the children through that? And the teacher said, no, no, it's, 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 more, it's more that at the end of break time, I have to say to your son, are you coming in of your own free will or am I going to have to carry you? <laughs> and that, that was the choice that the teacher was having to present to our son every single day. There are only really two outcomes for him and there was... There are only really two outcomes for God's people, blessings or curses. That's the news from this part of Deuteronomy. I mean, it mentions those at the beginning of chapter 30, if you've got that there, chapter 30. And and Moses is talking to God's people. They're just waiting to go into the promised land. And, And Moses begins in chapter 30. When all these blessings and curses I've set before you come on you and... um. You might ask, well, what, what blessings and curses? And the answer is, well, we heard some of them in chapter 27. Yeah, and, and then, and then they, they come back in chapter 28 as well. At, at really quite some length. Really quite some length. Turn back at a couple of pages if you want to. And you'll see the titles there in chapter 28. Um, first of all, blessings for obedience. Can you see that? Um, top of chapter 28 blessings for obedience if you fully 
obey the Lord your God. And then that, that unlocks all the blessings that God's people are going to receive. Uh, blessings that, that sort of remind you of being in the Garden of Eden. I mean, they're that good. Um, blessings that remind you of, of the promises that God made to Abraham, that they were going to be so blessed and they were going to have their own land and they're going to be a blessing to, to all the nations and, you know, really, really good things. Um, blessings like, like knowing and being close to God. You know, that's the best blessing of all, isn't it? Just being close to God. It's an incredible blessing. Um, I mean, it's strange, isn't it? Our non-Christian friends don't, don't even see that as a blessing. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't even sort of race on... Um, I think, it's, I think it's the best thing about being a Christian. Isn't that the best thing about heaven? Um, it's, it's that we see Jesus face to face. And, and even before that, we walk through each, each day close to God. An incredible blessing of, of being a Christian, as well as the centerpiece of heaven. Now, those are the outcomes. That's outcome number one, all the blessings that can come to God's people if they fully obey the Lord their God. Okay? And then, and then verse 15, you see that other title um, in chapter 28, Curses for Disobedience. And that begins, however, if you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees, then these curses are going to come upon you. What? What does that feel like? Well, it feels like destruction and death. It is genuinely awful. The curses seem like they're never going to end. They just go on and on. They're, they're a picture. I think this might, might be a shocking thing to say, but I think they're a picture of hell. Um, this is just over the page, um, verse 61 of chapter 28. Let me read, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to read. Verse 61, the Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster, not recorded in this book of the law, until you are destroyed. You who are as numerous as the stars in the sky will be left but few in number because you did not obey the Lord your God. Just as it pleased the Lord to make you prosper and increase in number, so it will please him to ruin and destroy you. You'll be uprooted from the land you're entering to possess. Verse 64, Then the Lord will scatter you among the nations from one end of the earth to the other. There you will worship other gods, gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Verse 65, Among those nations you'll find no repose, no resting place for the soles of your foot. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind, eyes weary with longing, and a despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense, filled with dread both night and day, never sure of your life. What does it feel like? Uh, it feels like the, the promises to Abraham being ruined, just torn to pieces. Um, feels like the rescue from Egypt coming undone. Um, if you look at verse 68, have a look at that. You know that God's people have been rescued from Egypt and, they, and they've been through the the wilderness and they finally come to God's land but it feels like all of that going into reverse page um, page 206 verse 68 the Lord will send you back in ships to Egypt on a journey I said you should never make again there you will offer yourselves for sale to your enemies 
as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. So awful, isn't it? It's sort of redemption in reverse. It's like unsalvation, being unsaved. Two outcomes. Moses wants to make this crystal clear, blessings and curses. But as you, as you go through this part of Deuteronomy, you just get this sickening feeling that it's going to be the curses which are inevitable for God's people. Just inevitable. I, I mean, it might be because um, in chapter 27, she notices that they've got two mountains, um, Mount Gerizim to bless the people and, and then uh, uh, the other one to curse the people. But it's only the curses that are really, that are really called out at that point. Um, and, and then you look back on Israel's history and it's just a constant story of disobedience, isn't it? It's a constant story. It's just this fatal flaw in God's people, just a blindness to the past, where they, they, they just go wrong repeatedly. Um, there, are, there are times in Israel's history when everything appears calm, but just underneath there's, there's this sort of um, lava of disobedience. You know, sort of tectonic plates are moving, but underneath it there's this lava of disobedience. And every time they're put under pressure, it just erupts like a volcano. And they just turn away from God every time when the pressure's on. And, and what happens in Israel's history is that it all goes wrong and, and they're sent on exile in Babylon and, and, the, and the curses of, of God all come true. It's a, it's a horrible thing. They, the land that they were promised, this land of milk and honey mentioned in chapter 27, just scorched earth. And um, section after section of the people is is destroyed because the people turn away from the word of God and the curses of God are a great disaster for, for God's people. It's awful. And then the frightening thing is we sort of recognize their way of thinking sometimes in our own way of thinking. Um, we see the same fatal flaw. There's this lava in us when, you know, when the pressure comes. It's just under the surface. Uh, and... And we're quick to disobey God when, when the pressure's on. Um, Lenin said, every society is three meals away from chaos. Um, I mean, my thought life is like one meal away from chaos, generally, you know, when I get, when I get hangry, I'm telling you. Um, I mean, chapter 29, verse 19, could have been written about my own way of thinking. Um, I don't know about you. Have, have a look at the top of page 208. Um, it feels like Moses has just taken these words right out of my mouth. When, when I've been challenged to live a life of, of consistent worship, you know, all, all the way across my life, in every one of those rooms of the house, um, then I can so easily end up thinking this. Chapter 29, verse 19. I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way you know I there are certain rooms that I've kept God out of and I'm doing just fine you know things are going all right nothing happens and 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 we know what God requires but we don't think it matters huh? uh, we don't it's just not a priority and and this is where life without God leads you towards curses and God says just don't go down that route 
just don't get it. It's a great disaster. But incredibly, there is a way back. There's, there's a way back. And that's what it says in, in chapter 30. There's something on offer, even beyond the death and destruction. And, and that is the kindness that we don't deserve. And, and the Bible's name for that is grace. That's why we could call the second section something like this. This is the, this is the second point. There is future grace. There is future grace. Let me read out verses 1 to 6 again of this extraordinary chapter um, from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. This is God talking. When all these blessings and curses... Um, sorry, this is Moses talking. When all these blessings and curses I've set before you come on you and you take them to heart, wherever the Lord your God disperses you among the nations, and when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Even if you've been banished to the most distant land under the heavens, from there the Lord your God will gather you and bring you back. He will bring you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will take possession of it he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. So God says on, on the other side of death and destruction, they can return. They can return. And notice that God doesn't shame them for their disobedience. Do you notice that? He doesn't shame them. He just welcomes them back. Um, the other day I heard a really terrible joke. I'm just going to pass it on with no comment. But um, some, someone said to me, in an inflatable world, what would a teacher say to a pupil who started using a drawing pen? Uh, and the, the answer is, you've let me down, you've let, you, you've let yourself down, and you've let the whole school down. That's, that's the answer. But God, it, God doesn't treat us like that. You know, he doesn't sort of shame us. Um, he's not sort of mildly annoyed with us constantly. Um, he doesn't point out how they've let him down. As they walk back through the sort of smoke and the fire and the destruction to come back to him, he just says, you can return, you can come back. And then he restores them. Um, he restores them, verse 3. He's so compassionate. Is this the God you expected to meet in the book of Deuteronomy? He's so compassionate. Uh, he becomes the subject of every verb uh, in verse 3 and on from there, restoring, gathering, bringing them back, bringing them to the land, making them prosperous, delighting in them. God does all those things. Is that the God you expect to meet in the fifth book of the Old Testament? And then he, he remakes them in verse 6. Have a look at verse 6. That's the picture of circumcising, which is sort of irreversibly changing their heart. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, it said back in, in chapter 6. I don't know how you're doing that, how you're doing with that. But then you come to, to chapter 30 and it says, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and, and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him 
with all your heart. You see, well, well it was never going to come from us, was it? We're never going to do that without his help. God enables that. And then God promises future grace. Future grace. And, and if we're Christian people, then we recognize that. We recognize that grace that finds its home at, at, at the cross of Jesus. And we experience that grace at the cross. We're going to be thinking about that as we take the Lord's Supper, the bread and the wine, um, a little bit later on. Future grace. The, um, the book of Galatians in the New Testament explains it like this. There are a few, few details that we won't look at, but I hope you get the gist. It shows how God can show future grace to people who should be cursed, who should face nothing but death and destruction, people like you and me. Have a look at Galatians 3, verse 10. It's on the, it's on the screen. Here's what it says. All who rely on the works of the law, that's if you just try to keep the, the rules in Deuteronomy, then you'd be under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Footnote Deuteronomy 27. It's a quote straight out of Deuteronomy. Death and destruction, the promises of Abraham in reverse, redemption undone. But God says you can return and then he leads us to Jesus. Have a look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a pole. That's someone who's executed. It's from Deuteronomy 21. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. I mean, it's open to everyone. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit, the Spirit who transforms us and enables us to obey God. Can you see that? Is that not an amazing couple of verses? Future grace in Jesus. So that the, the curses are, are placed on him. How dreadful that must have been for him on the cross. He experienced hell for us. Death and destruction were placed on him as he died. So that the, the promises to Abraham are restored to us and, 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 and we are sort of redeemed in, in the way that God's people were out of the uh, the slavery of Egypt. We're set free at the payment of a price. And then we're transformed by the Spirit so that we're set free to obey God. Is that not an amazing thing? And so we live by future grace. It's such a liberating way to live. You know, there will never be a time, if you're a Christian, when, when you can't come back to God and say, I need to return to you. Please restore me and, and remake me. And God will say yes. You know, all the way into the future that grace is available. It changes the way you see the rest of your life. Living by future grace. Um, but just um, as I finish, we are, we're, le we're left with a choice. That's the third and final point more briefly. We are left with a choice. And and God makes that entirely clear to us. We have a clear choice. That's our final point. Now, the, the word is near you. Um, 
we're told in verses 11 to 14. Do you see that? Um, the word, you don't need to go up to heaven, you know, NASA's new rocket, um, to, to, to find out what God wants of you. Um, you don't need to go on a spiritual retreat across the sea, verse 13. It's close to you. And it's, it's a simple thing, really, to, to choose life. If, if, we, if we turn away from him and we insist on bearing the curses ourselves, then we, then we have no excuse um, left because God's made it clear to us. We're to, we're to choose life and listen to God's voice and, and to hold fast to him. That's what Deuteronomy says. Um, you say, well, you know, Jeremy, that's all very well, but you don't know, you don't know what I've done. Um, God will never shame you. He's compassionate. He's paid for that. It's all forgiven if you ask him to do that. Or you might say, oh, but I can never keep it going. Well, but the transformation, the changed heart comes from God, not from us. You see, it's God who enables you to keep going. Um, and you say, um, oh, well, I'm probably right because I come from a Christian family. Um, this is something you have to choose for yourself. You know, this is your choice. Resolved to listen to God's voice, resolved to hold fast to him, resolved to choose life. It's as simple as that. What are you waiting for, huh? Well, while we're taking the bread and the wine, um, in just a few minutes' time, after the next song, we're going to put a prayer on the screen. And this is what it says. It's a prayer that's free for you to use if you want to. It says, Father God, I should be under your curse. I deserve destruction and death. But I accept that Jesus took my curse so that I could know your blessing. Please can I return to you as you restore and remake me. Please can I live in the light of your future grace. Help me to choose grace. Amen. It's a simple thing to come to God. If you're, if you're praying that prayer for the first time or, or you want to know more, maybe you're not quite in the, in, in, in the place yet where you can talk to God in those terms, then there's a course starting in the new year on Sunday mornings called Christianity Explored. We'd love to book you a place on that course. But what are you waiting for? Choose life, says the Lord. I'm going to finish with a prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that as we face the blessings and the, and the curses, we know that rightly we face death and destruction, but that Jesus became a curse for us and offers us redemption, all the blessings given to Abraham and the promise of the Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would enable us to choose life in him. We ask these things in your name.